All right, we're back. We're live on Monero Talk again, day two of the uh, Monero conference in Denver. Uh, we were in there, we were listening to a panel on regulation, uh, but Brandon said this is a good opportunity to talk to some different people that just happen to be in town. Uh, what's the name? Rebecca Martin or Beck. Rebecca Martin, and you're from Australia? I am, yes. Okay. I've flown a very long way just to be here uh, for a conference, so... And what is it that you that you do in Australia that is tangentially related to crypto? Um, so I am a developer evangelist and I operate in the innovation and technology ecosystem in Australia. And I'm also a former advisor in state level government um, for innovation in the digital economy. So what is the crypto scene like in Australia? What or can you maybe even compare Australia to America now that you've kind of seen both ends? Yes, yeah, so um, uh, the Australian crypto ecosystem is—it's uh, uh, obviously not anywhere near the size and scale of the American ecosystem. But we do have some um, really interesting community bodies um, forming around the crypto space. Uh, we've also uh, got uh, regulators who um, are keen to uh, think about and talk about. Uh, uh, ways that they can uh, work proactively with the uh, crypto ecosystem. Um, so we have um, uh, we've removed double taxation for um, buying cryptocurrencies, and um, there's been some other movements in that space. Um, so there are a number of uh, innovation ecosystem uh, bodies, including um, the Blockchain Centre located at Stone and Chalk. Um, and uh, various meetups. You can go to pretty much a, a crypto-related meetup every night of the week. Okay, so it, it, it is blossoming over there. Now, there's there's kind of the other side of the coin, right? There's some strict regulations that have recently come down in terms of encryption in general. Is that... Yes. Yeah, how, so, how would you explain um, uh, Australia, uh, uh, at the end of last year, passed the AA bill, um, which is a very controversial piece of legislation, um, uh, which is designed to uh, help law enforcement um, bust encryption somehow. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's been a topic of, of discussion in, in the Australian ecosystem. And um, one of the things that I'm really interested in uh, is how the technology industry, and particular the crypto industry, uh, can do a better job of advocating for itself uh, to the general public um, much more than to government um, because uh, I think it's important that we help the general public to understand um, the benefits of privacy and encryption um, because what's happened in Australia at the moment is unfortunately the media has created this sort of false dichotomy um, between privacy and public safety and security and so um, there's obviously a little bit of work to be done in terms of helping people to understand um, the public safety and security benefits of the technologies that we're developing. Um, and uh, to make, uh, to make uh, uh, it more, um, to make the general public and the voting public um, more open to the idea of these technologies um, because uh, what we've seen in the last election is that um, when you have the media and, and certain uh, politicians willing to make 
public safety a wedge issue. Um, uh, things like uh, well-formed privacy and security legislation uh, don't become a priority um, because they're not uh, the main concerns of the voting public. Mm-hmm. Do these these recent uh, encryption laws that that came about do they affect uh, obviously crypto and directly, or has that, have we not really seen uh, you know that play out yet? So um, the laws themselves are uh, very very new, and so we haven't actually uh, found out what the implications of those laws will be for the technology industry. Um, there's been a lot of criticism about the way. Uh, that it's been drafted because um, there was very, very little, uh, if any at all, consultation with the technology industry. And so um, there's not that much understanding about the way that they would be implemented in practice versus um, the way that they read um, because they do, at first glance, read very draconian and, um, uh, and, and it it's not very clear how they uh, get implemented in practice. Okay, so we don't really know yet. We're kind of waiting to see how that plays out. Um, I think, yeah, I think your, your point about, you know, trying to, I guess, educate, educate the people or have, you know, uh, market uh, privacy technologies in a way where people realize the importance of them and how it's kind of preserving liberties and things like that and not just seeing the nefarious side of things, which I think is really unfortunate because that's uh, how a lot of, you know, uh, how it often gets cast in public. Um, I, I was talking with the coin, uh, Jerry from Coin Center yesterday, and one of the points I was, you know, we brought up was just how uh, a lot, I, I don't know what Australia, I, I really don't know um, kind of the foundations of the government there, what the constitution's like there, but, you know, here, you know, a lot of the main tenants are about preserving liberty, right? And that's something that Monero is trying to do in co- in the form of code, but for the digital world, uh, as we move into this kind of new digital era, as a way to preserve liberty, as we all go online and now all our transactions are online. Uh, do you have any opinions there? Is that something that's um, deep rooted in Australian government and, and culture as well? Kind of this preservation of individual liberty? Um, uh, yeah, this is purely opinion, of course, but I don't think, uh, Australians are as, um, it's not, uh, as core a part of a national identity as it is in America. Um, uh, and, but I'm also really interested in, um, how, uh, we turn the conversation away from something that's purely about, um, freedom and privacy uh, to also including uh, the, the security um, and safety benefits of these technologies um, because like I protect, think, protecting your data and things like that. Yeah, so I, th- I think that's uh, I think in an Australian context, I think that's the story that resonates with um, a larger portion of of the population, um, and so. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think historically, um, the crypto community hasn't done the best job of uh, taking uh, the rest of un- our nation along with us on this journey, and uh, telling the story 
of of why the reasons why we're building these technologies outside of liberty and privacy, um, because what that enables is um, then then you know the media can sort of hijack that conversation, and if it's a question of um, we need this data to prevent terrorism, um, then in the, in the public mind, the answer becomes, of course, privacy isn't important in this situation. Um, and so, it, yeah, my interest is um, working out a way to have that conversation in a, in a more nuanced way um, and, and making those topics accessible uh, to people outside of the crypto community so that they can be brought along for the journey of what we're working on. All right. Do you have any opinions on crypto in general? Uh, you know, kind of like uh, Bitcoin versus Monero versus every other coin. Are you are you involved in it in that way? Do you do you look at these technologies? Do you have your are you are you a Bitcoin maximalist? Are you a coin agnostic? Do you have any opinions there? Um, so I'm I approach crypto in much the same way that I approach my developer evangelism work. Um, uh, meaning that I'm not one that buys into those, you know, this versus that cryptocurrency. I think they all have uh, their applications and benefits. And, um, you know, I'm not, uh, JavaScript is a terrible language. I think uh, in much the same way, I think uh, every programming language um, has its its uses. I think uh the richness and diversity of the crypto community and the crypto landscape is part of what makes this space so interesting. I agree. Uh, thanks for doing the interview. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the conference and thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Yep.